What is going on, everybody? What is going on? It is your host, David of the Top Bunk Sports Podcast. And I'm here with a fresh new episode to talk about a lot of topics, a lot of breaking news. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on that, you know, we're getting ready for. First thing that I want to talk about is breaking news. Bradley Beal has been traded to the Phoenix Suns. Boy, is that a shocker. And again, it's a shocker mainly because of the fact that Bradley Beal got traded for absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. It, it was it was very surprising, very shocking. Um, you know, I, did I know that he was going to go to the, like, did I pick that he was going to go to the, the, the Suns? No. I personally thought he was going to go either to the Heat. Or to the Bucks simply because you know Chris Middleton is they they could use him as a small forward type of player, and you could put Bradley Beal in there. And I thought, listen, you know that that's a team that still wants to win, um, that's a team that still wants to go ahead and win another championship. So you put Bradley Beal in there, it makes your team much better. I I thought they were one of them. Guess not. So Bradley Beal is officially. A Phoenix Sun. It says the Wizards and the Suns agreed to a deal Sunday that'll send three-time All-Star to Phoenix, where he'll pair with Devin Booker and former Nets star Kevin Durant, according to multiple reports. Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and, and and second-round draft picks will head back to Washington, per multiple reports. Paul may not be staying with Washington long, and that's if Chris Paul doesn't want to stay there then they'll probably find the you know they'll, they'll find them a new location chris paul not chris paul i'm sorry bradley beal is a phoenix sun and you know what it's it's an up and down thing to me because you have a good player like bradley beal but you don't have a point guard and devin booker has pretty much played a shooting guard for his entire career he's a spot-up shooter can can you know shoot from any part of the court and now he's gonna have to run point you either move Bradley Beal to a point guard and to me Bradley Beal is not a point guard so it's it's a very interesting mix but it shows how aggressive Phoenix is it shows that they want to that they want to win a championship they still want to be contending and props for not giving up DeAndre Ayton now I know DeAndre Ayton isn't as good as people think you know he still needs a lot of work they thought that the Suns were gonna trade him um, it looked like that for a lot of the time. Even during the offseason, they thought that he was going to get traded in the offseason, and they kept him. They found a way to trade with, with the Washington Wizards, and practically the Wizards got nothing in return for Bradley Beal, and they couldn't even get DeAndre Aiden. If I'm a Wizards fan, I'm pissed at this trade because even though you still got Caruso, you still got Porzingis, I didn't get nothing back for my top player. I didn't get nothing back from my all-star. So we pay him this much money when when we wanted to pay him and we extended him. Then when we finally got to trade him, because we're practically going to blow everything up since we can't seem to win, we can't get nothing in return. They got a bunch of second-round picks. And those second-round picks don't even seem like they're going to, you know, they're going to be worth anything. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe those second-round picks could be something in this year's draft, maybe. But, again, second-round picks sometimes don't carry on like that. I mean, you got you got you to gotta hit the right mark like Denver did when they picked up Nikola Jokic as a second-rounder. So, 
you know, that that's very interesting to see. I don't know how that will play out. It's just that, you know, now you have, you don't have Chris Paul there. You gave up Chris Paul and you gave up Landry Shamit for Bradley Beal. So it's basically going to be Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. Um, then you'll have DeAndre Ayton at the five, Kevin Durant at the four. It's going to be interesting to see how they play that out. I personally think they'll be a playoff team. I don't think that they're going to be a team that's going to take over the West. And I'm going to tell you why. Not take over the West like, you know, like as far as like like dominating. I'm saying in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Because I think they're going to run into that situation where there's no ball movement. The chemistry is kind of low when it comes to the playoffs. Everything, just the vibe and everything is different when, the, when you touch the playoffs. And I think they're going to struggle... And people are going to look at this team in this offseason as a team that's going to win the chip, you know, go on, be the next team to dominate the West, and then they're going to fall in the second round. You know what I'm saying? I think I, that's what I see this Phoenix team doing. I mean, they're under new a new coach in Frank Vogel. They don't have Monty Williams, which, again, still shocks me to this day. But shout out to the Detroit Pistons for picking up Monty Williams. He's going to do great with that young core. Um, but... Who knows how Frank Vogel is going to manage that team? It's just, it's just going to be very interesting to see. So we'll see how that turns out. That's a big pickup at the end of the day. You know, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant have got more help now. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how that turns out. Who's going to be running the ball more? Who's going to be calling plays when they're on the floor and stuff like that? So that's going to be pretty interesting. But staying on the topic of the NBA, Congratulations to your 2023 NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets. I mean, 47 years of not being able to enjoy a championship has finally ended. I think that team showed out completely. They were overmatched for for the Miami Heat, a much different team that Miami's never faced. And it's, it's very cool to see that Jamal Murray and Jokic have their ring. It's cool to see Aaron Gordon get his ring. It's good to see Jeff Green get his ring. It's dope to see Ish Smith finally, after 14 years of being in the NBA, finally get a ring. So many guys in there. Michael Porter Jr., for everything that he's gone through with his injury problems, get a ring. Um, Christian Braun, rookie year, first year in the league, get a ring. It's dope to see uh, Mike Mike Malone finally get a ring as a coach. I mean, everybody was saying that it was going to be Mike Malone's final year if he didn't win the finals. And, you know, I didn't think so. I mean, you know, he finally cracked the code of getting into the finals, and you're just going to fire him if he doesn't win it. I think you give him one more shot, see what he can do, see what changes are, are to be made. And I think it's dope because, it, you know, now that Jam- – I'll break down Jamal Murray, for example – I think it's dope that he got himself a ring simply because of what he went through two years ago. You know, tearing his ACL and nobody thought that he was going to be the same. Nobody thought he was going to come back and be the same Jamal Murray that we got in the bubble. I mean, that the bubble Jamal Murray was just a fucking a machine, man. And and I, I think to, to to his credit, he had he showed the future and what the Nuggets can do if they build around him and Jokic. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was the star of that. So, to see him finally, you know, get his ring after what he went through two years ago, you see him, you know, in tears because that's what it's all about. That's what these players, that's what they play for. You know what I'm saying? And and I think at the end of the day, can they repeat? Absolutely. I don't see nobody in the West stopping them. I'm sorry. 
Call me crazy, I don't. I don't think Memphis is going to do it. I don't think the Lakers are going to do it. If they keep that same core and, and those guys stay consistent like they were this year, I don't see nobody in the West stopping them. Shout out to my Knicks, though, because they've been the only team to beat them twice in the season. But <laughs> that, that's just a little flex for, for, for me because I'm a Knicks fan. Obviously, y'all know. But I don't think, I don't think that anybody is going to stop this team if if they uh if they do if they do what they what they're supposed to do and that's repeat i mean you know you, you heard it in the parade mike Malone said run it back and he want he wants to smoke so i think it, it it's it's uh it's going to be interesting um speaking of the nuggets though and and you know getting better since since the bubble and 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 just getting better in general this is this is how this is how you get this is how you just consistently get better this is how you stay afloat and you win year after year after year this this is smart right here um i think i think to 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 this what i'm about to you know talk to you guys you guys probably know but i'm gonna talk to you guys about it i think this is dope shout out to calvin booth who is the nuggets gm and again who played it smart he, he sees that his team was winning year after year, and this was the year that they finally got to the fucking championship. But this is this isn't the end for them. So this is why I call him smart, and 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 actually, like like he's gonna he's gonna stay afloat. So here's an article from Adrian Wojnarowski where the Nuggets get a package of picks in a deal with the Thunder in a rare trade involving. NBA Finals participant the Denver Nuggets are acquiring a 2024 first round and second round pick and a 2023 second round pick in a deal with the Oklahoma City Thunder for a protected 2029 first round pick, source told ESPN on Friday. As the Nuggets try to maximize the championship window, they'll get at least a favor- favorable of OKC's first round picks in the 2024 draft and the 37th pick in the June 2022 uh 2022 draft the june 22nd sorry june 22nd draft um denver will have the 37th and 40th pick in this draft and the deal gives the nuggets general manager calvin booth additional opportunities to acquire low-cost contracts and create some trade tools as the franchise navigates the luxury tax with this star uh the star-laden team built around Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. The new league's collective bargain agreement will make it more difficult for tax teams to add veteran talent, and there will be a greater premium on drafting and developing young players, which, again, a lot of teams are trying to look through. They're trying to look into to be more successful. I mean, if you talk about trying to build through the draft, that's the key to, to building a success. I'm, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's honestly the best, the best way you can do it because you have so much young talent that could turn into, to fucking, you know, to golden, golden tickets to becoming stars that could win you a championship. It says OKC will still own Denver's top five protected 2027 first round pick from the Jamichael Green trade last year. The Dunder, the Thunder had a glue of picks in the next few years and now spread those out with protected first round picks in the 2020 in 2029. Oklahoma City has one of the deepest rosters of young talents in the league and still owns 15 first round picks throughout the 2029 NBA draft. 
2029 NBA draft, I hope, as an NBA fan, and I'm just putting my fandom for the Knicks aside and just as a basketball fan overall, an NBA fan overall, I hope that the 2029 NBA draft is the key for the Oklahoma City Thunder, that these guys turn out to be what they need to be. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the Thunder played it well. You talk about building through the draft, and your best player is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, that's that, that right there is a win for them, and that's how they're going to be successful. You know what I'm saying? That's they, they played it smart after, you know, trading James Harden, you know, after losing KD and after trading uh, Westbrook. They played it smart. They're like, yo, we're going to blow it up now, but we're going to build through the draft so that way we can have our stars and win a fucking t- a title. And that's what OKC is trying to do. That's what the Pelicans are trying to do, especially, you know, keeping Zion. So the, it's it's the key this this collective bargain agreement helps a lot of these teams navigate their way their way through the draft, and I think that's a, that's a cool thing to 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 notice, like to to, to do, because I think you know the draft is always a key, man. You always want to draft, and although the Knicks are not doing that, Knicks are trying to find a way to succeed without the draft. Eventually, you know they'll have they'll have somebody, because I, I don't think Leon Rose. Um, and we don't have a GM right now, but I don't think Leon Rose understands the importance of building the draft. Now, I'm not one of these fucking these these haters that are like, oh, till the Knicks get to the draft and build through the draft. I don't give a fuck what they do now. No, if my team is finding success through without the draft, I'm 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 a ride through it. I'm a ride behind it. But there's no denying that building through the draft is a key in the NBA to success to winning a title. Hence, the Denver Nuggets. You know what I mean? The Denver Nuggets drafted their top guys in Jamal Murray. They drafted Nikola Jokic, even though he was second round. He turned out to be the key for them. They drafted Christian Braun. You know what I'm saying? So, a lot of their guys, Michael Porter Jr., you know what I'm saying? So, the, a lot of their guys that helped them get to where they got to and win a championship were drafted. And then, once their draft picks were developed and saw what, they could, what they'd be able to do to get them to where they needed to get to. They made certain trades to make their team better and ultimately win a title. And that's how you're supposed to do it. But, hey, you know, everybody has their own ways of being successful and winning a title. That's, that's, that's the ultimate thing uh, that I could say. Um, personally, if it was up to me, I would do it that way. I'd, I'd do it through the draft. But like I said, I'm not hating on my team for doing it the way they're doing doing it they got Jalen Brunson hopefully Julius Randle comes back and is better than what he was last year I mean he was good last year but in the playoffs he was nowhere to be found so we'll we'll see how we'll see how that turns out um the the Knicks can definitely be aggressive and you know try to get a Zach Levine it wouldn't be the best option but you know you have to put something there after what you did in the playoffs last year when you made the second round um, so you gotta, you you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll we'll see. You know, they have options. They could get a Bradley. Um, they could get a. Uh, excuse me. They could get a Zach Levine. They can go after Kyle Kuzma. Hopefully, they don't go after Cat. Listen, I love Car Anthony Towns, fellow Dominican. Been my favorite, one of my favorite players since he got drafted in 2015. But he is not the same. Um, he's another Julius Randle 2.0. If you're one of those people that doesn't like the way Julius Randle plays and how he always complains, that's cat. And on top of that, he's injury prone and he does not show up in the postseason. You don't want to take that bargain, especially with the money that he's being paid. He's being paid that type of money 
for something that a lot of teams don't want to deal with, and that's an issue. That's 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 bad. So we'll you know we'll we'll see what they do in the offseason, but they need to make something. They need to do something and be aggressive. They cannot run this team back the way it was uh, last year and hope that they're gonna get a better outcome than what they did last year you know what i'm saying you add somebody like a kyle kuzma you add somebody like a zach levine you add somebody like a chris Tapps porzingis with that you're you know you have a very good chance of making the eastern conference finals that's a hundred percent fact you know for me so that you know we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens well i'm i'm personally personally i think that you know whatever happens within the knicks whatever happens between Leon Rose and whatever GM that they get, that they can be aggressive and they can learn from their, you know, from what they did last year. But they, they have to. They can't just have what they did last year and then not get anything. So, you know, they, they, they just got to be aggressive. Leon Rose has to understand the magnitude of the situation in the offseason, and you got to build. You got to build, especially because you have Jalen Brunson here, and you're not getting rid of Julius Randle anytime soon. Speaking of off-season moves and and what certain New York teams are going to do during the off-season, the New York Giants are still trying to find out a way where they can bring back Saquon Barkley. Now, obviously, me as a Giants fan, I want fucking Saquon Barkley back. I'm sorry. He was the glue of the team. He was our star fucking player besides Daniel Jones, who I still, by the way, regardless of what Daniel Jones did last year, do not. And I will repeat that. I do not, regardless of how the market is set up, I do not think that Daniel Jones is worth $60 million. But the Giants took a gamble on him. The Giants think that he's going to fucking be consistent and he's going to do it again. The Giants believe that he's better than what people think he is. Cool. They gave him his $60 million. We'll see how that turns out. Saquon Barkley, on the other hand, is a 50-50. Now, 1%, one part of that 50, sorry, is that is that Saquon Barkley is going to stay healthy, that Saquon Barkley is going to go back to what we know he can be, like he was last year, and that he's worth that money. The other side of that 50% believes that Saquon Barkley is a one-time thing and that he's not going to stay consistently healthy and that he shouldn't be worth that money because... Just like I believe Daniel Jones, Daquan Barkley still has much to prove, right, before he can get that money. Here's the thing, though, and this is where I basically tie all that into one. I'm on the side of let's give Daquan Barkley that money because the Giants don't have or in my in my professional opinion are not in a position to go ahead and say, well, we're not going to give him that money because we don't feel like he, you know, he still has to show us on a consistent basis if he can do that again. When you don't have no, what, what if he decides to go to a different team? Because if you're franchise tag him and then he gets hurt, you know, it works out for you. But then again, it's like eventually he's not going to be on this team at certain points because you don't want to keep dealing with his injury issue. And, you know, you're going to prolong it and try to see if he's going to come back or whatever. But what if he doesn't? You know what I'm saying? So then you don't have nobody to replace him with. You know, he's a free agent right now. He can honestly say that he 
probably doesn't want to come back. Now, he has said he wants to come back. And I'm going to read you guys an article on Bleach Report that I saw when, when talking about this, this, this conversation. But he does want to come back. My thing is, are you going to give him the bag? Or are you going to keep gambling that you know you could franchise tag him and see what you can get out of him next year? Who knows? But this article that I read from, Ble- uh, from Bleacher Report is basically you know showing and you know stating uh what the momentum right now as far as the con- the contract what's what's going on it says Zaquan Barkley has yet to sign a long-term contract after receiving a franchise tag earlier this offseason but the New York Giants and the star running back aren't panicking just yet with the deadline for the franchise tag player to sign a new deal about 1 month away ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said of Barkley's contract situation on SportsCenter, quote, there are no movement on a contract yet, but neither side is panicking because they have a month until that July 17th training camp deadline. Barkley is due to make $10.1 million. He wants to secure more on a long-term deal. I'm told his ask have been pretty reasonable. Then it says, he just wants a good structure and a guarantee. He doesn't want flimsy guarantees, and he wants something that will pay him out in the first couple of years. As you know, a well-accomplished back and Pro Bowl type player. The Giants' ownership really values Barkley. They see him as a potential Giant for life, so could step in and try to get something done closer to the deadline. Then it says, Fowler also reported Saturday that Barkley is a real threat to sit out training camp this summer if he and the Giants can't come to an agreement on a long term. The Giants placed the franchise tag on Barkley in March. The franchise tag for running backs in 2023 is worth $110 million, which is believed to be lower than what the star running back is seeking annually on a new deal. Big Blue initially offered Barkley a $12.5 million per year deal, which he rejected before upping the offer to $13 million with the opportunity to earn an additional $1 million in incentives that would have brought the contract to $14 million annually. Bob Bookover of the New Jersey Advanced Media reported in May. Then it says Barkley also rejected the offer and the two sides remain enriched in contract negotiations as the July 17 deadline nears. Sorry. Barkley also rejected that offer and the two sides remain entrenched in contract negotiations as as the July 17 deadline nears. The 26-year-old market value is worth 12.3 million annually according to to SpockTrack. Barkley said in his youth football camp earlier this month that he just wants a fair deal and is not trying to to reset the running back market, according to Jory, Jory Espine of Yahoo Sports. The Giants also have been vocal about wanting to make Barkley a giant for life. So basically, again, he's trying to make it as fair as possible and he's not trying to make it, you know, difficult for the Giants. But he's like, yo, you know, I... I just want a fair deal. You know, I want my money. You know, I showed it last year, but I just want a fair deal. I don't want to put nobody in an uncomfortable situation. And I think it's smart that the Giants are taking their time. They're not rushing into anything, you know. And and Giant fans are going to have their ups and downs about it. I personally won't. I love Zaquan, but I 
see where Giant fans are also coming from as far as, like, you know, what has he really proven in a consistent basis for me to give him that type of money that he wants. He should have just taken that franchise tag and at $10.1 million and, you know, fucking gambled his way. But, you know, he, he has an opportunity to get the money that he deserves, and, and, and he's going to get it. I don't think the Giants are going to let him walk. I think the Giants know how special he is and what opportunity they can make out of him out of him and and you know Dan, and Daniel Jones together, out of him and Brian Dable, it's gonna be very interesting to see. It's gonna be a very interesting off season. You know, I, everybody's saying that the Giants are gonna be different now, and they're not gonna be as good as they were last year because the the schedule got tougher. I disagree, and I'm not saying that from a fan perspective. I'm saying that as somebody that believes that the Giants are gonna turn heads next year and be gonna be much better and gonna be consistent. You know, they're Jet fans. They're certainly Eagle fans that I talk to that talk a lot of shit that the Giants aren't going to do this, that the Giants aren't going to do that. I mean, especially Jet fans. I mean, Jet fans, all of a sudden, they got a, they got a quarterback now. They don't have to deal with their quarterback situation that they dealt with. Couldn't even get to the playoffs with them three motherfuckers, and they're talking shit. So we'll see how that plays out. I've, I've been telling all these people that I talk to on Twitter that I'm ready. I'm 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 not one of those guys that's cowering out. I'm I'm ready to face the Eagles again next season. I'm ready to face the Jets now. Now that we're playing them, two good teams that are fucking sufficient and ready to you know turn it around. So let's 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 fucking see what 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 we get out of this um but i i think he'll become a giant i think he'll become a giant i think it'll be you know he'll be he'll be back and he's gonna get his money and i think it's gonna turn out well just you know pray to god that he stays healthy you know what i'm saying like pray to god that he stays healthy and that he he he, he gets everything going on and, you know everything is well so we'll see how that plays out next topic that i want to talk about and right now, it's an uncomfortable topic, regardless of how up and down they have been. And I know I talk about them a lot. They're my favorite team, and I don't want this to become a thing where I'm only talking about them. But, you know, it's been such a rough year and such a rough season to start for the New York Mets. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of waking up that needs to be done uh before i even get any closer or deeper into the conversation into the topic i want to say my congratulations to francisco lindor on welcoming another baby girl hope she's precious i hope she's healthy you know it's a bundle of joy every time you you bring a kid into this world that's uh, i'm 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 assuming and i say i'm assuming cuz i am not a father but i'm assuming that it's the best feeling in the world so congratulations to you and your wife, and I hope I hope everything goes well with her. Hope, hope hopefully she's healthy and, and and she's brought into this world under under great circumstances. Um, but and shout out to Lindor too for hitting home run today. I'm recording this after the Mets game; they lost eight uh, seven. That's kind of what I've been wanting to you know say. Um, you know they start off this this homestand with the Subway Series. They lose eight seven to the Yankees. A winnable game at that. At one point, they had bases loaded in the eighth inning, if I'm not mistaken, and they couldn't cash nothing in. Game went on. Yankees beat them 8-7. Then you go on to the second game, and I was there live for it. And, every you know, the Mets took the lead. The Yankees would come back. You know what I'm saying? The Yankees would come back. They would take the lead. The Mets would tie it. Yankees would take the lead again. Mets would tie it. The Mets would, would tie it at one point on a, uh, 
making the score 3-3. And, you know, it took Brandon Nimmo, who not only made a mistake in the first game of the Subway Series when he dropped the ball with runners on base and they advanced to second and third, and that would ultimately, you know, be the nail in the coffin for the Yankees. Uh, That would give them the lead. But, you know, he had a base running mistake in the second game. And that ultimately almost seemed like it cost us at a certain time, too, even though we were tied when he made that mistake. You know, you you tend to have these things with the Mets where they'll make a mistake and the the negativity or the feeling of the mistake tends to follow them. So you have that. Um, And I remember when we went to the bottom of the 10th inning and Brandon Nimmo was up, I I said to myself, I said, yo, wouldn't it be cool for Brandon Nimmo to hit a shot and fucking hit a two-run homer and walk us off? And I remember when he hit that shot to left field and Jake Berger was, or to right field, excuse me, right field. Jake Berger was playing right field and he hits the shot to, to right. And I thought that was gone. I didn't even think, I was like, Jake Berger is still going back to the warning track. I thought, I was like, why? That, that shit, that shit's gone. So it's going, it's going, it's going. I'm like, that's gone, that's gone, that's gone. Right? All of a sudden, it bounces off the wall and Jake Berger just, stops like he didn't he didn't even make an effort to at least pick the ball up and throw it back into in, into play and you know i'm thinking right when that when when that touched the wall i'm here celebrating not knowing because i'm i'm sitting in the delta club right so i'm sitting in the delta club and i'm here thinking you know escobar already scored whatever i'm not looking because i'm recording so i'm not looking at the field right this dude escobar got the like latest jump in the world and I could just imagine once they picked that ball up and they put it back in play, if he would have got called out at home. Oh, my goodness. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because at one point, once it hit the fence, I, people were cheering. But I thought I was like, yeah, they, you know, that this it, game over. But at some, you could start hearing for a couple seconds that the cheers were going down because they were watching Escobar run. So then... Then I, I kind of start, like, taking, trying to put my head up to try to, you know, take a peek because there were fans in front of me. And he had just crossed the plate. And then that's when they started cheering. The, the fireworks went off and everything like that. I was like, damn, it took you that fucking long? You misread that ball completely? Um, But the dope moment after that base runner mistake was that, you know, and after the mistake that he had in, in the first game of the Subway Series when he dropped the, the, the fly ball, dope moment that it was Brandon Nimmo out of all players to walk us off and, you know, take one out of two in that Subway series. And I specifically remember saying in the space after we won it that if they can build off that walk-off momentum, a very important walk-off momentum, the way they fought in that game, the offense kept them in, in that game, if they can build the momentum going in, going into this Cardinals series where you have an easy way to sweep, this Cardinals team is not that good. So... You have, if you could build some momentum, you have the momentum there. Let's go. Let's do it. They take care of business in the first game. 6-1 of brilliant, his best performance of the season by Tyler McGill. Went six innings. And, you know, it looked like he was untouchable. All of a sudden, now comes the second game. And Senga's getting rocked. I mean, he was getting rocked in earlier in the, in the games before he... Racked up, I think it was nine strikeouts or ten strikeouts, if I'm not mistaken. But they were getting to him. Like, he was he was very hittable. 
And that that was the one thing that scared me. Even today, like Carrasco didn't have Carrasco was trash today. Carrasco was trash today. But the offense kept the Mets in the game. And I know a lot of my friends don't want to hear that right now because they're like, dude, pitching is the key to, to success. Pitching is the key to a successful baseball team. So, you know, that needs to be fixed. That that needs to be one of the things that Billy Epler and Steve Cohen are, are looking at and trying to work out during the trade deadline because it's looking with the record that we have right now and where we're at in the standings, even though I'm not paying attention to the standings right now, it's looking like the Mets are going to have to go in to the trade deadline and try to do something. That's the one thing in the start of the season that the Mets did not want to do. If you would have told me on opening day when I was there, you think the Mets are going to, you know, based on what you see right now within this team, you think the Mets are going to do something in the trade deadline? Absolutely not. I would have told you no. So now that it's looking that way, and a lot of people during the offseason said it. Like, they, they, they said that this team wasn't going to be the same as last year. And they've been right. Um, So... The offense for five straight games have been, and the bullpen to a certain extent, the 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 offense and a little bit of the bullpen has been what has kept the Mets in these games. So when you look at that, it's like yeah, the pitching when you're not getting six, seven plus innings out of your starters each and every night, that's a problem. That's a problem. So that that needs to be fixed, but. You know, even even decision makings by Buck, you can't like today. You're tied seven seven in the eighth inning, and you decide to put Robertson in the eighth. Now, of course, that to me was already a big issue. We're gonna bring Ottavino, bring him in the eighth, but you put him in, you put Robertson in the eighth. You keep Robertson in the ninth. He only had eight to nine pitches thrown in that eighth inning. I understand you're trying to save him for Houston, but at the end of the day. He missed two games. He didn't pitch for two games. Two to three games he didn't pitch. At some point, you're going to have to, you know, forget about saving him for a certain series. You're going to have to put him in in those important games. That's an important game for us because that's a serious win. And against a team that, yes, they suck right now, but they still have bats there that can hit. So... You know, you want to win that series, and you need every series that you can get if you're the Mets right now with the way the season's been going. So you make a decision like that, it's it's costing. It's costing because you know Robertson has been untouchable for most of the part of the year. So you want to make sure that you you keep him in there. He's in a groove. He's only got all three batters out in a quick matter of time. He's only thrown eight to nine pitches. Keep him in there. Make you know get get yourself involved. Get your, your make smart decisions. And Buck didn't do that, and that's that cost the Mets the game. You know, Adavino's been up and down again. You don't know what you're gonna get the fuck out of him every time he comes in. It's either oh he's gonna give up a fucking key hit or he's gonna get out of the inning and we're gonna love him and kiss him again. So who fucking knows at this point? But with the Mets losing today, as far as you know, them being kept in the inning by the offense. The Mets are now with the Atlanta Braves beating uh winning today and beating the Rockies. The Mets are now 12 games behind for for in, in first for first place and they are 5 games below 500. At some point if you're Billy Epler and you're Steve Cohen, you're you're sitting there wondering what the fuck can you do to change this around? 
there's no way you can tell me that you're going to be the Knicks where the Knicks make the playoffs in one season, they don't make the playoffs in the next season, then they make the playoffs again. You don't want you don't want that. You don't want to be a team where you don't make the playoffs your first year since being the the GM and 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 being the new owner, then you make the playoffs the second year in the wild card and then you don't make the playoffs the third year. You don't want that. And Steve Cohen right now is looking at this team and he does not he's not trying to sell. He's trying to win every year. But you got to do something in the trade deadline, to, you know, to turn it around and hopefully the Mets keep it to where they can still have a record where they're fighting for the for the for the the playoffs and make reasonable moves in the trade deadline to where it'll help them fight for the wild card at least because it's looking like they're not winning the division this year but keep yourself content to where you can still be in position to possibly win a wild card and win enough games bro y'all got but they got to win now you have to win now to put yourself in that position you're not winning now you can say the season is over but i'm not that 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 type of person i'm not quitting on them right now so you won't hear me say that the season is over but they have to put themselves in a position if they don't put themselves in a position they're fucked they're fucked, but they need to wake up. And they have a tough schedule, tough schedule coming up. It is not going to be fun. They got to go to Houston for three games. Then they got to go to Philly for three games. And after that, it's, 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 it's only, it's only going to get worse from there if they don't win. I mean, just, again, Houston, although they're, they ha- don't have – a lot of their main guys because of injuries. They still got good pitching and they still got sufficient hitters to beat you. Then you go to Philly and Philly's on a streak right now. So, you know, the Mets got to find something and, and, and win in Philadelphia. Um, hopefully that's that's a sweep or two out of three. They, they just have to find ways to win. They really do. You know, and then you come back for four games at home against Milwaukee. Then you got three against San Francisco then you go to Arizona, where Arizona's killing right now. They're they're leading the the West right now, and they're killing. Then you got to play against San Diego before you get into the All Star break. So it is not easy. It's not gonna be easy. They gotta find ways to win, or else this season is done. And that trade deadline is not gonna be looking like a hope that we that we want it to be because of what is transpiring right now. They're playing right now with a record of thirty three and thirty eight. Like I said, five games below um, 500, and they're 12 games back from first place. So we'll see how that turns out with the with this road trip coming out. But I appreciate y'all, man. Thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for listening. Um, happy Juneteenth for every to everybody out there celebrating. Whatever I know, probably tomorrow's gonna be nice. So go out there, man. Enjoy the day. Enjoy some nice food. Some some good music. If you're doing any uh, Juneteenth festivals. Um, and this one's dedicated to Juneteenth tomorrow, man. It's a nice day, a special day. Um, for those that celebrate it, you know, happy for y'all. And just stay lit, man. Everybody stay listening, blessed. And, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, man. Happy Father's Day to my dad. I love you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, man. Enjoy Father's Day with your loved ones. Hope, hopefully you did when this episode comes out. But um, hopefully you guys enjoyed Father's Day and and celebrated with your father and just had you know some nice moments with him i appreciate everybody like i said if you haven't already follow me at top bunk sports on instagram twitter facebook 
TikTok, YouTube, do all that, man. Please show some love to the Top Bunk Sports, man. Appreciate y'all, and I'll see you guys next week on a new episode.